Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. everybody and welcome to not the gatecast as you may know the gatecast has officially finished its coverage of stargate after we wrapped stargate universe but there was always that little itch at the back of my mind that i wanted to keep doing content for the show even if it was only maybe one episode every other month at first i looked at redoing the early episodes taking the original audio and cleaning it all up making it a lot more presentable Unfortunately, I realised that the early episodes were so bloody awful, it was way too much hard work. Anybody that's listened to them knows exactly what I mean. So, I looked around, what else could I do? Well, we're still going to have another look at the early episodes, but we're going to do totally new discussions on them. And I invited Brad. Alright, Brad. Evening, Mike. How are you? Hello, listeners. Thank God for that. Didn't really know where to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, I can take over for a little bit. As it seems, Mike just couldn't walk away and say no to the gatecast. And um, now we're starting again at episode one. And we're going to go all the way through to... Hang uh, uh, on, hang on. on. <laughs> <laughs> Your tech cleared. I'm here for the long run. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to clean up some of the early episodes. Obviously, back then we were we were recording over much inferior microphones, much lower connections. I think we were recording using Google Audio or Google Mail, as it was called. Wow. You know, Google actually had a very basic recording app you could use. It wasn't mm. particularly good quality, and Skype at the time wasn't very good either, so it's amazing we got anything recorded. Yeah, and that's sort of the common thing with a lot of podcasts that started that long ago, sort of the first few episodes, first season, whatever the content was. If you find your feet, you're working out where you want to go. Yeah, you make lots and lots of apologies for anybody that's <laughs> joined you right at the start. Yeah, once you hit that sweet spot, get into it. You build that audience and you ask that no one ever goes back there again. <laughs> Until now. That's it. Soon we're going to be able to listen to Alan's latest project, his Babylon 5 podcast. No excuses, because he's got state-of-the-art recording now. <laughs> he's using TeamSpeak that's been provided by Steve. Okay, yep. Who's also already commented on the uh, complexities of editing podcast audio. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's as hard as you want to make it for yourself. That is true. You can go over audio time and time again, trying to get that little little click or that little bit of hiss out of it. Before you know it, the evening's gone. Yeah, yep, exactly. I heard another podcast a couple of weeks ago doing just a, um, because they've been doing it for a long time and sort of, done a bonus on just how they have their setup and how they do things and how to get into it and that for listeners and they'll say like they got an external recorder eight channel uh, all this stuff and <laughs> they get about four or five separate tracks and bring them all in uh, you can make it so much easier for yourself you can yep anyway this isn't a uh, podcast editing podcast <laughs> no it isn't it is uh, it's an interesting discussion hmm Right then, this episode, we're going to take a look at Children of the Gods, The Final Cut, which was the Brad Wright look back at the Stargate SG-1 premiere, funded by MGM, who were looking for another cheap DVD movie. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously this was something Brad always wanted to do. In the commentary, he actually said one of the reasons he wanted to do it was to make the most of the music that Joel created for the show. 
if you remember mm-hmm. the original version used a lot of the movie music and often yep. in inappropriate places so most of this is joel's work yeah full disclosure i actually watched the original <laughs> cut and not the director's cut and one of my comments is the music <laughs> when we get into <laughs> it but right it's almost full circle the creators went back and wanted to redo their uh pilot and now here we are going back and doing the same thing so yeah it's just a shame that money wasn't there to actually update it to blu-ray you know redo some of the redo all the uh visual effects yeah there isn't a lot of visual like the cg at least anyway stuff like wobbly staff weapons that you'll never be able to fix but <laughs> unless you can paint them out and put a cg one in tilk's hand but anyway yeah at the end of the day stargate sg1 and atlantis were always supposed to be more fun than serious yeah and yeah. you know dodgy sets that occasionally move not often it has to be said but occasionally mm. you know somebody would fall into something and it'd move or a polystyrene rock would move and you think okay <laughs> i'm with you i'll go with it no worries four more starts from weapons fire <laughs> sets yeah. falling apart from the concussion wave especially the ship sets and that well that's it that's one of the beauties of stargate they used a proper armorer blank rounds mm. they fired weapons on set and on location, you know, none of the CGI muzzle flash, which is yep. the cheapest, awful-looking... <laughs> they haven't still haven't got it right these days. You know, the latest series still don't do CGI muzzle flash right. Because you, no. you haven't got that kickback either. Yeah, there's no there's no weight to it. There's not really any acting from the actor. Like, by the time we get to season 10 or 11 and 10... and No, 11 and 10. 9 and 10 of (laughs) SG-1 and that later into Atlantis. It's sort of when they're firing the weapons, there's no squinty eyes, there's no cringing, there's no nothing. They're fully in control of those weapons and at times on full auto. (laughs) Yeah. Great an actor's resume. Any good experience? Yes, lots. (laughs) No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right then, this is not going to be commentary. This is basically going to be a scene-by-scene discussion. It could lead us anywhere. It's very freeform. So we'll kick off, shall we? Yes, let's. Yeah, so the Children of the Gods final cut kicks off with the MGM Lion, seriously missed in later seasons of the show. Agreed. Starts off on a very nice visual of the planet Earth and the sunrise, zooms through the clouds layer, straight into Cheyenne Mountain, down to level 28, and a poker game between some airmen. And that is the first of our differences. There's no planet Earth shot in the original. (laughs) But it's a nice little crane shot coming up over the top of the uh, airmen's playing their poker game. Yes, the director for this episode was Mario as a party, something that he he liked doing, a bit more flamboyant of a director compared to some of the uh, more regular guys on the show. Yep. Brad did say he really wanted to reshoot this whole sequence. He didn't really think it was right starting the episode on characters that were not going to be regulars or starting with the bad guys, you know, no introduction to the heroes of the show. I think yeah. it worked pretty well. yeah. Wasn't really a fan of the reveal of the gate having the sheet blow off it. I would have preferred to have the vortex come through the sheet or something, but again, CG at the time. Yes. Um, it's... The way it ripples and that I'm fine with, but the way it just sort of, it's getting pulled off by a string. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you wonder what exactly caused the uh, the ripple in it. You know, should there be any air movement at all? Because the gate wasn't active. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Is there a bow wave in subspace? A bit of wind Something inside was waking up and, you know, causing a bit of uh, air displacement. Yeah. Okay, it is an old missile base and it might be a bit drafty in there, but, yeah, it was one of those things. And yeah. um, and then we get it open up and I, I love how there's weapons and ammunition just sitting there in a decommissioned military base. 
Yeah, that was a bit unusual, wasn't it? It's not as if yeah. they were on guard duty as such. It was just like they were assigned to that level. You know, and nobody's about, let's play cards. Well, yeah, they said no one ever comes down here anymore. Yeah. Um, all the all the activity would be up probably above sub-level 10 and up in all the offices, if anything. Yet you've got fully armed weapons sitting down here. Normally, that you'd think the weapons would be the first thing to uh, get cleared out on a map base when it's decommissioned, but I suppose other movies as well have shown us that even ships and everything that have been turned into museums still have their weapons, so... <laughs> yes. It's a conceit we need to look past. Yeah, half a ton projectiles and the gunpowder required to sling them 20-odd miles. <laughs> <laughs> yep, not to mention fuel. Yeah, so the gate activates and uh, some Jafar come through it and a uh, guy in gold armour, obviously the boss. Yep, rocking the bling. Yes, very much so. As we know, Apophis, a bit of a peacock, he does like his his outfits. Well, like I say... He's a gold. What can you expect? Yeah, we definitely get to the showboating a little bit later with his loud outfits. It's interesting here too because obviously being a TV show and not a um, not a movie, helmets only been able to retract back so far, and the actors having that lip to look over, especially tilt. <laughs> fully understand why they did it. I don't think it worked as well as they probably hoped it would. Yeah, it makes more sense than what the film did because the film they just disappeared into nothing and it just where'd that go? Truth be told, the CGI in the film wasn't that spectacular either for that effect. More like stop motion. Yeah. Being the uh, part of a TV show, I can still get past it. It's okay. Yep. So the airman, she gets self-captured. A bit careless. Yeah, she went up and what we thought was a... Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce her name, but the uh, the Gould stun device, but it doesn't go off. So whether it's just a camera... Like the Kino, isn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's probably where they got the idea for the keynote from. Throw some art, scan the area, report back. We're coming through it. There's an atmosphere. Because I don't think yeah. Poffers had jumped through an unknown gate unless you were sure he could actually breathe. Well, and that's the other thing too. The gate had been known to be lost for centuries and they're just straight on in. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's probably a story behind that that never got told. Yeah, oh, there's a couple... They couldn't figure out the anti-grav on it, so they just throw it through or roll it through. <laughs> yeah. Poffus must have heard that Rara died. So you well, think, yeah. Okay, yeah. he died. Abydos was his mining facility. Those people there came directly from Earth. Yeah. We used to have a gate on Earth. If you go by a lot of the novels, you know, all the gold at some point or other resided on Earth. That's where they got their particular varieties of religion and godhood from before they ventured off on their own. So, joining the docks, I, yeah, I can buy that he investigated. Yeah. I probably would have sent a ship. Well, yeah, or even a couple of Jafar at least, but... The volunteers. Yeah, it just seems to go on a hunt for a queen is the second or third step after you've established the gates being unburied. Anyway, let's not dwell. Yeah, so we get a bit of a bloodbath. And one of the differences here was that a lot of this was cut out for the final cut. He thought it did go over the top a little. Yep, that's one thing in my notes. And I've also got the score back from the film as well. We get a lot of that, like, the Ra theme in that here too. Yeah. Which, I, I love that score, so I, I don't mind it at this stage, but uh, it does get pretty tiring by the end. You listen to any of the commentaries, there was back and forth between the creators and MGM over certain story ideas, certain use of music. Uh, Brad, you know, the daddy of Stargate SG-1, mainly because he spent more time in public domain than Jonathan Glasner did. Yep. So his opinion tends to... Basically, he's really all we've got to go on. Mm. He wanted uh, most of the 
movie music removed to make the most of Joel Goldsmith's score. That's why you get a lot of scenes where either there isn't any music, where before there was, you know, the pomp and circumstance of the movie, or just Joel's music playing in the background. Yep. There's been a lot of discussion, of course, over how Poffus redialed the gate to go back to his home world. You've read my notes. Everybody, everybody brings that subject up. And as far as I'm concerned, there are handheld dial devices, period. We may not have seen it, but we know they exist. So retroactively fixed. I use like that. <laughs> but it makes oh. sense, doesn't it? A way to dial the gate without needing a DHD. Yeah, I know, but he sends Tilt to get it and... Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We don't know if the DHDs are connected to the gate by a cable or Wi-Fi. I just thought because the Earth gate's different, it hasn't got a DHD plugged into it. We see we see they have to push several blinky lights before they start the sequence. But the keyboard has got the symbols etched on it. Yeah. Okay. A subject for discussion. It, it can go either way. But yeah, Poffus does dial home. He's got the young airman. Seems to be happy with his lot. General Hammond walks in gives him a flash of the eye, and stomps his way back through the gate. What an exit. Yep. <laughs> He's killed all these people, but I'm not bothered about killing you. I've, I've got what I wanted. Off we go, lads. Fear me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And then the opening credits. I missed these credits. Did you have the Egyptian headpiece for your credits, or yours different? I'm honestly trying to remember. I don't think, I don't think we did. Because it was around... I'd laugh they put the Season 9 credits on there. <laughs> like, who the hell's this? <laughs> One of the beauties of uh, not having a commentary track is that you can you can go and do something and you don't have to worry about the episode continuing playing. Yep, researching. They didn't have a credit sequence in this final cut. Okay. The titles and the uh, credits over the action. Okay. As soon as Apophis walks through the gate, General Hammond looked up, shot horror, walks to the gate. Is he walking up to the gate while it's still active or is it already shut down by that point? Shut down. Oh, because I was going to say he's pretty courageous. And then they jump straight to Jack O'Neill's driveway. And you get the credits there, uh, like a credit over. Yeah, Samuels and his offside are coming to get Jack. I love how he knocks on the door once and then his crony goes, sir, there's a ladder over here. <laughs> so, That's supposed yeah. to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a ladder as well. I use it to clean the windows. Yeah. And is this the Jack's cabin set we see throughout the series? No, no. This is his house, isn't it? This is where he entertains okay. and watches The Simpsons and drinks his beer. Okay. So he's got his cabin and his actual residence. Yep, that's why we never see the sun deck again. We do get him when he has the barbecue. Yep. Telescope, you know, underlines the idea that Jack is a bit of an astronomer. It does get a callback later. Yeah, when he acts stupid. I think it's just so that Sam can actually explain stuff to him. And then he regrets it. Yeah. Another thing Brad mentioned in the commentary, his daughter and one of their friends was actually watching the show. And he was looking at it. We can do better. He was watching it himself and thought, we could do this much better. And MGM do get a lot of criticism, I suppose, for what happened to Atlantis. But as we said before, they threw a lot of money into Universe and they threw a lot of money into this final put. Probably at a time when, you know, they didn't have a lot of money to splash about. Yeah. Jack is uh, brought back to Stargate Command. We get the elevator down to level 10 or 11, I think it was. (laughs) It's elevated down to level 28. And Jack, well, he knows where he's going. This scene a bit gets smart to you. <laughs> it did a I, bit, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I could have heard the get smart music over the top of it. it was, they're going from elevator to <laughs> the stairs to desk, back to door, especially when they get down there and Samuel's like standing there and gesturing for him to go through another door and 
just the way it's cut, it just yeah seems very get smart. Yeah, beats up with General Hammond. Another scene that gets quite severely edited. It's basically uh, hello, hello, can we get on with it? Good idea, man, man of action. And off they go to the infirmary where they see the bodies of the Jafar, male and female bodies. I did not notice that. That's because it wasn't in your version. Oh. <laughs> yes, we see the pouches. They're not human. Well, not 100% human, obviously. They bring a staff weapon in. Jack obviously knows how it works. Impresses the doctor, impresses the, the general. Hammond knows that the report that Jack filed to General West wasn't kosher. Because at this point, he thinks Ra's back. Yeah. Yeah, the alien with the glowy eyes. Yeah, it's just interesting that um, none of them knew how to work the staff weapon, like it's a little button on the side of it. Yes, it wasn't difficult, was it? Yeah, how long have you been studying it for? And with the Jafar, like, this is where you set up who they are, what they are, whatever else, even though, okay, it's your first experience with them, but, okay, they're not human. Potty Samuels calls them a kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're, well, they're obviously humanoid, they're... Pretty much human. I'm sure they've been scanned. They're human. They've just got a pouch in their chest. Like... Yeah, a full autopsy would probably show their DNA-wise, they're pretty much identical. Yeah. Maybe a little drift, 0.001%, something like that. Yeah. Not their creatures, aliens, whatever, as Hammond calls them later. Yeah, Jack gets then gets a surprise as he sees Kowalski and Ferretti walking down the corridor and taken into a briefing room. Jack is curious, maybe a little bit worried. <laughs> he shouldn't be, though. His former comrades have been through hell together. They're not going to drop him in it. Nah, they'll keep the story straight. Yep. Then we get the bomb on the end of the ramp, and Hammond's asking Jack if there's any reason why he shouldn't send it, and he gets a little smile on his face like he knows he's going to he's bluffing <laughs> Jack. But then he turns around and cracks the shits as soon as <laughs> Jack says, oh, my report wasn't entirely accurate. Like, he... <laughs> A very understated uh, line, that is. Yeah. We did explode the nuke. No, we didn't do it on the planet. We did it in orbit, in a spaceship. Yeah, it was in Ra's ship, but it was in orbit. Yeah. Uh, we think he died, unless he can withstand the mm. tactical nuke going off in his face. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and um, Jackson buried the gate after Jack left. They sent a probe afterwards and crushed on arrival. I think what we learn later from air quotes, the gate being buried, it's laid over, covered in rocks or whatever else. So you'd think yeah. the uh, the probe when it was sent through would fall back through the event horizon unless it was up the other way. Another little grey area, either the gate would activate to allow something through, then it couldn't reform on the other side, or the gate wouldn't. If there were cover stones or rocks, if there were, especially if there were cover stones and rocks within the gate circumference, it's always difficult to know exactly how the gate works. It works when it wants to. Yeah, and that's one thing the movie does too. It's like it's got cover stones on it so it can't open, yet there's Gwash Jafar fossilised there. <laughs> yeah, so the, how did the Kawash not take care of the cover stones? Yeah, it has to block the incoming signal, whether that in turn holds the chevrons in place so they can't lock or or whatever. whatever. But um, it's just interesting that, okay, we've got the gates buried, probe can't get through, you think a bomb's going to get through, but then a tissue box is going to get through. Like there's no... There's no notification to Jackson that someone's <laughs> trying to come through, so we'll unbury it so a tube box can come through. Like yeah, obviously we know it must be a good guy coming through. Yeah. But, of course, jumping a few scenes ahead, we see wreckage of the of the Malp, or I assume it was a Malp they sent through. So oh. may, maybe... <laughs> I didn't see that. I only seen the air quotes rubble <laughs> around the gate. See, folks, this is what happens when you don't watch the same version. 
Imagine uh, the days when we're doing a commentary and people watch different time versions. <laughs> what, what's this? What's happening there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then you start mucking about with the timer on your on the video. Um, Before you know it, you're totally lost. Pause yep. it quick. They send the tissue box. It comes back after an undetermined length of time. Somebody's written on it, send more. Thanks. Mm. In English. So we can assume that is Daniel. Yeah. Some more dry hume here with Samuels. <laughs> what if it's the aliens? <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll be blowing their noses right about now. Samuels. Samuels. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes, he becomes a pain in the backside in the uh, early seasons. Yeah. Right, we get a conference room scene. Everybody likes a conference room. Ferretti, Kowalski, Jack, uh, the general, and some uh, unnamed officers, and one empty seat, and in walks Captain Samantha Carter. <laughs> and in the Final Cut version, the dreaded line that Brad Wright hates is removed. Is it? Great. There is no nothing about where her genitals are, or where Jack's are, or anything like that. Yeah, there's, there's some good parts of the intro. The Matt Mason doll stuff and that I I like. But yeah, that other stuff is just cringeworthy. And also I have to wonder what a theoretical astrophysicist spent 100 hours over enemy airspace in Iraq doing. So she was just a pilot or something. Must have done, yeah. Yeah. You're a doctor of physics and everything else, yet you've clocked 100 hours in enemy airspace. <laughs> it's great put down though, isn't it? Kowalski's yeah, yeah. laughing off. She just goes, yes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay then. This version of the scene is so much better for Sam because you haven't got that ridiculously awkward line. Yeah. It works for everybody. Every character in that scene comes off better because it wasn't included. And Brad Wright said, when when we first filmed it, I didn't want to use it. I cut it out of my edit and then mm. it was put back in. And MGM said, <laughs> yeah, leave it in. And so it got left in. Yeah. Further proof why director cuts are needed. <laughs> yes. So we're all set. We're going to take a trip to Abydos. The wormhole is active. Everybody jumps through. Sam's a little bit hesitant. Jack basically shoves her. (laughs) We get a lot of rumbling, a lot of shaking, ice crystals forming on them as they exit the gate, which they quickly dispense with because it's very (laughs) time-consuming. It is a great effect, though. Yeah, I could see how doing that every time they go through the gate. There'd be a lot less gate travel if it stayed, I'd imagine. Yeah. But then again, the ancients probably, you know, first came across that when they were developing the gate and says, you know, we've got, to, we've got to sync everything up a bit better, get the power usage a bit smoother, and hey, presto, you know, we're nicely in exit and entry. Yeah. That's something the SGC didn't have with their jerry-rigged system. And that's a good point, because whenever they're coming back into Earth here later, they're not frozen, it's always outgoing. Yeah. So it's obviously a, an issue with their dialing sequence to what they're doing with the gate, so... But we get into the pyramid and we have a, uh, a Stargate here on set, standing upright, supposedly not buried. We see some rubble around it. And as you said earlier, the <laughs> wreckage of the or crushed mount. But yeah, did they just pile rocks up inside it? I think they did. Yeah. And I could accept, you know, the gate would kind of, you know, when it activated, it does a quick scan, make sure the event horizon is clear because we know it won't close the gate if somebody's biologic is in the actual event horizon. Mm-hmm. So if you put something... Literally, just simply block the gate with a stone, it would work. But of course, it doesn't work like that in the movie or at times in the TV series. Yeah. It's just something we're going to have to, you know, gloss over. Yeah. And if you can buy the fact that everybody in the galaxy speaks English, you can forgive this. 
Yeah, I still have an issue with that, but anyway. <laughs> I'm getting cynical in my old age. If nothing else, the language evolves over time. Mm. You could accept that everybody in the galaxy at some point spoke English because they're all one generation removed from Earth or whatever language they spoke in ancient Egypt, which I'm pretty sure wasn't English. Yeah, but you'd have to go two or three generations from Egypt to get to English anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, it's good to see Scara back. He, he works well in the series. Oh, it was a very smart idea to bring Alexis Cruz into the show. Yeah, he does a good job. Please tell me this evening meal scenes cut on the director's cut. It, it still exists. They have yeah. the uh, the moonshine joke in place yep. of the chicken. They have the little homage to the cigarette lighter. Mm. also underlines that this Jack O'Neill doesn't smoke. Yeah. TV show as well, compared to a movie. Oh, yeah. It only goes for about three and a half minutes, but just it doesn't really do much. We're already attached to the characters from the film. Yeah, we're going to see most of these people slaughtered in a little bit, but it doesn't really add to the weight for me. Well, that was one of the problems, wasn't it? This was also originally made to be a pilot, and you had yeah. to lay a lot of the groundwork down. Uh, Brad said in the commentary when he was cutting this, he didn't have to worry about making it a pilot. This was a, a standalone movie. You know, there were a lot of things you could cut out and not worry about them. Yeah, and I suppose we get Jackson telling them later on it's going to be a year before they come back, but um, I wonder if they had plans on having the uh, Vidosians more involved in season one than what they actually were. Could do. You know, they probably had a lot of ideas that got sidelined for budget and other reasons. As, yeah. as we've seen from that set, it's too small. Yeah. In the movie, below the pyramid, it was a huge complex. It was basically just a square room with some pillars, but it looked big. Mm. This literally does look like the gate room redressed. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the final cut, pretty much the same until they walk outside where they've got a brand new CGI effect, the Great Pyramid from a distance, sand dunes going off into infinity. Very nice piece of... I was going to ask if that's reused or if it's a new thing because I couldn't... Watching on the iPad, I couldn't count how many people were actually walking down the ramp if it was them or if it was the uh, actors from the movie. Yeah, RDA in the commentary, you saying, they were looking at it saying, what's happening here? And Brad was saying, that's you walking down the stairs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson was, I think, having the time of his life on the com- commentary. He was channeling Jack, basically, what's happening now? I can't remember this bit. Tell me what's happening now, you know, and... He says, I love doing these commentaries. And Brad says, now you tell me after 300 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, they, they asked him to come in for this and he probably had the afternoon free, so he did it for a friend, like. Yep. Oh, again, that whole um, dinner scene where, and at the end of it, oh, no, I don't think your raw lookalike come from here. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm going to show you. We might have noticed. Yeah. So, S- well, not SG-1 technically at this point. The Air Force, along with Daniel, off they go, trudging along. Daniel has something to show them. This is where we see, I don't know what you'd call it really, uh, a library, a depository, a huge, <laughs> the Egyptian version of the phone book. Yeah. A room full of hieroglyphs. Yep, which turn out to be gate addresses. Why would they have a star map like this on a slave planet where they've outlawed reading and writing? Okay, they can't read it, but still, it just seems... Careless to leave it here? To leave it there, yes. I couldn't understand why it was there in the first place. Every planet with a gate has that sort of depository, show you where you can dial to. But obviously when the Gaul took over the gate system, you would have thought, you know, we need this, but nobody else needs to see this. Yeah. You know, we don't want people just dialing randomly. Was there a door? <laughs> I imagine that it was reached from the catacombs that we saw in the movie. Yeah. 
that would make some sense. On the visual of the Great Pyramid, it's nowhere to be seen. Well, that's the thing. Did he just walk the opposite direction for a day and find it all? <laughs> was, it, was it through exploring the catacombs even more? That's sort of ambiguous as to where this actually is. If you think thousands of years, sand dunes, anything could be buried. Whole cities have been lost in Africa and Egypt area, you know, because desert encroachment. Yeah, well, that sandstorm we've seen in the movie might have exposed part of a building or some of a structure that he found later on. And this is where we get the great explanation of stellar drift, which explains why Random Darling does never worked. Well, worked once. Yeah. Ernest. <laughs> Question. If you move two houses down on a street, you don't adjust your telephone, you just get a different number. How do you adjust for stellar drift when you have a number? Uh, Does the coordinates change? Yeah, because the gate system is linked. Every gate, every DHD is linked together. My guess is that they should automatically update. Why they didn't... That's the other thing, yeah. The Abydos gate definitely should have the updates we see later on. Okay, that probably wasn't written yet or thought of yet, but... Yeah, it's not as if you could use another symbol to represent, oh, this distance is now X plus X, you know... Well, that's, you're not talking about planet moving from one constellation to the other. like. <laughs> no, it's moving in three dimensions and not in the same direction as other objects in space either. Yeah, I don't get it at all. It's a sci-fi explanation. Yeah. Which is technically enough and aesthetically pleasing enough to buy into. Yeah. Right, so while they're all away, the gate activates and here comes Apophis again, firing straight away. So he knows he's going to Abydos, he knows Ra's dead, he knows there were a rebellion. Anybody that's alive and got a gun, they're going to die. Mm. And I was very disappointed that the natives and the airmen didn't pull up a better fight. I would have nearly preferred to see this at the start instead of the attack on Earth. If he went to Abydos first because he knows Ra's dead and found people there, took Jarae, and then Daniel had to try and contact Earth to uh, get help, but Apophis had already been there as well. Worked a bit better. I wonder what the incentive would be, though, without direct evidence of a threat to Earth. Well, there'll be the weapons. If Daniel's there, he could gould hand device his head and realise that you're not from here, you're from Earth, and knock him out and take Sharae. I mean, to Hammond. He reacted like he did because there was an assault on Earth. Well, the assault would still come. Go to Earth next, after the after the assault, Abydos, yeah. Oh, I see, so Apophis had followed Daniel. Yeah. Oh, right, got you. But anyway, now I'm rewriting this. <laughs> We're not much chop up against the Jafar. We are, everyone's getting slaughtered. Except the ladies and the young yeah. ladies at that. <laughs> yeah, scream and run outside. You'll be fine. I know, that, that was a disappointing bit. The first two people that died weren't hiding. They were running away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Silk, I think, grabs Shari, or at least one of the Jafar does. Silk actually picks up one of the uh, American assault rifles. You know, it also grabs... Scorer. Yep. Where does this weapon come from? Tilt knows there's a new player. Yep. Either way, again, Apophis has got what he wants. Let's go, lads. Ferretti is badly injured, but he does manage to glimpse the gate DHD as it's being activated. Uh, even though two symbols are on the opposite side that he would not be able to see. <laughs> hey, we'll have none of that. <laughs> We've criticised in this episode way too much. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> right, so Daniel has a hot heart with one of the young men, not one of the guys from the movies, but obviously someone he spent the last year with, as well as Gara, tells him, tell Sharae's father, Kazoof, yep. cover the gate, and in one year, open it up, and I'll be back. 
I suppose he's got to give them some hope, but Daniel the Messiah is kind of leaving them. You know, they you see by the way they cried around him, just touching him, maybe the last time they see Daniel alive. Yeah. He is the man that gave them their freedom. Mm-hmm. But they go back to the SGC, we get to see the Iris in action. <laughs> For the first time. Everybody seems a little surprised. What the hell yeah. was that? <laughs> you, you could have waited a little bit longer before we got through, before you closed it. Yeah. How does that fit into the gate? Where did it come from? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Plot. It's magic. <laughs> Plot magic. We get a quick view of the dungeon on Poppers' homeworld. And then we uh, kind of get the plea from Daniel and Jack to Hammond to go after him. Yeah, Jackson coming back and thinking he's got some sway still after a year. You know, I'm going after my wife. Oh, no, Dr. Jackson, you're not. No. We do get a nice little scene back at Jack's house with Daniel. Daniel having his first American beer in a year or two. Got no head for alcohol. Which goes to prove he never tried the moonshine. Exactly, yeah. If you'd been drinking the moonshine for a year, you could drink a lot of that American beer and not have any issue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice scene, though, between the uh, the two characters and the two actors. Actual house, you can tell, because you'd never dress a set that much. I'm pretty sure they retain that house for the entire run of the series. Yeah. Everybody gets back. Hammond has been given the authorization to assemble groups of Stargate teams, nine of them. Designated SG-1. Again, Brad thought about actually removing some of this dialogue. It's pilot material. Hmm. You know, it probably had to be left in to get the idea that this is SG-1. Yeah, if he'd started going for a full mandate on what each team's mission was or something like that, then you can... Fair enough. Yeah. Kowalski, SG-2, Jack, SG-1. Off you go, lads. Kowalski's got his own command. Yep. Ferretti, unfortunately, like I say, is in the infirmary. He did manage to point out the, the gate symbols when they replayed some of the video they managed to take of the gate room on Abydos. So they know where to go. They dial in. Uh, again, stumbling out a little bit of frost. Not the Malp. This is more of a transport vehicle as stumbled over the edge of a rocky outcrop. Hmm. And they're in a huge open area with kind of some spiral stones leading away from the Stargate. Yep. Actually, an impressive looking scene. Yeah, I love the, um, the forested valley there in there too. Pine forest behind them. We'll see in later scenes there's snow on the hills as well. So when they go through and... Kowalski says, damn, it's cold. It's really cold. Yeah. You learn this planet's called Chuluk. We meet Apophis's missus, the host of Apophis's missus. Brings the airmen forward. Yeah, does her first. He's impressed. You know, yeah, she looks okay. He, uh, <laughs> the snake pops his head out and then pops back in. Oh, no, don't fancy her. Yeah. And basically he kills her, which seems strange. She must have value. Yeah, put her to work in the, yeah, the palace or something. As a harem or something, I don't know. Or something, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of Jafar that are in need of a wife to cook yep. and clean while they're away, you know, battling the enemies of Apophis. Tilk, you done me well on Earth. Here's a second wife. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is one of the changes he made. We saw a lot more of Tilk's facial features as all this was going on. Yeah. It was evident that he wasn't happy about what he was watching. Mm. Yep, definitely so on the seeds of deceit in there. Yeah. Displeasure. Poffers is a perv. <laughs> mm, yes. Very nice. <laughs> it, it does it with style, though. You've got to have yeah. that. That's the character you're going to be. You've you've got to decide how you're going to play it. You can play it with a bit of style, or you can just play it nasty, or very similar to what Cliff Simon did with Bol. Yeah. And again, he's, he's there in his golden robes and... Shorts as well. Pimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Ice Planet, you're wearing shorts. Okay. <laughs> well, it's snowing. Yeah, so uh, SG-1 are venturing forth. SG-2 are covering the gate. Come across some priest. Daniel manages to introduce himself, not get shot for his terrible accent and his limited vocabulary. Fortunately, the priests think he's one of the gods. He knows Ra's language. So they lead him to what, in this final cut, is a much more majestic city. Yeah. They played around with the colour timing, the map paintings, made it just look better. Then we get the banquet, which, again, is very small scale. And how many times... Oh, we're going to see a lot of times, especially season one, where they just get escorted into an unknown location without any hesitation at all. Well, yeah, you know, you belong there, otherwise why would you be here? Yeah. (laughs) You're obviously not one of us, so you must be one of the system lords. We ask no questions. Mm -hmm. We get the the banquet, which is obviously for some of Apophis' minions. (laughs) And he walks. Well, he doesn't. He makes an entrance. (laughs) All that was missing was somebody on a piano flourishing away. Yeah. Let me introduce my new wife. And in walks Yare in quite an elaborate headdress. Yeah, yep, all dressed up to the nines as well. Yeah, very Asian look to it, I always thought. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, different costumes, and even the um, Tilk's offsiders, which aren't Jafar, because their stomachs are exposed, so don't know what's going on there. Even there, they're sort of wearing like an Indian headdress, as well as the Egyptian sort of shoulder pads. Yeah. So yeah, there's sort of a bit of mixed culture thing going on. It's not as if we meet other system lords. Mm. They must be secondary or tertiary ones under Apophis. Because he's obviously not doing this for, as we come to know, the likes of Nerti or Sukar. No. You know, this is kind of for his own lieutenants. Yep. You can expand your... Not not possessions, not... You can expand your family, but only using the people I provide. Yeah. And, of course, Daniel cannot stay still, cannot be quiet, <laughs> cannot wait for his moment. He gets up. Hooray! Team catch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, we can safely say that whoever Jare is now, of course, the final court doesn't have that rather elaborate, rather gruesome, rather explicit scene that the original version had. Yeah, that stuff aside, just with the implantation, that I, I still think the symbiotes are too big, not being able to occupy the same space. Did they cut the effect of it going into a neck as well? Because that's pretty bad. <laughs> no, they kept that in. Obviously, you oh, okay. Know, they walk her onto the set. You see her clothes being stripped off from the back, waist up, so you don't see any yeah. any nudity this time. It's placed on the on the altar. Again, you get a close-up of her face. Uh, you get the snake come into view, you know, and then kind of back out. I imagine he said some of it was CGI. Most of it was still the original puppet. That's why it was so big. It was a puppet. Yeah. Then she's slung on her stomach. If you're old enough, you're going, where where they're going with this? <laughs> but then they do see the snake going between his shoulder blades and kind of just the tail end of it burrowing in, into her neck. Yeah. The, priest, the priestess, or the one carrying, do you reckon she's just a priestess carrying royalty? Because she's not really a Jafar. It was a bit unusual, wasn't it? Obviously, she's good enough to incubate the symbiote to a certain point. And make her the queen? Poffus doesn't fancy her enough. I've been living with you for three or four years. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with you, love. Yeah. <laughs> this year I want a new model. Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? It can trade up any time he wants. But he's still going for the black hairs, so... Yeah. If the symbiote had been a lot more, uh, probably transparent, making it more like... Something more like a tapeworm. Yeah. You know, so you think it could embed itself in and maybe most of its body dissolved, leaving just its nervous system attached to its host's brain. 
Well, yeah, you only need one little filament to attach itself to a certain part of the brain to take control. Later on in the next episode where we see Kowalski's scan, there's like a four-foot-long snake in there. Yeah. Attach itself to several parts of the spine. It just doesn't... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Negativity. <laughs> they wake up in the dungeon. Very big dungeon. Lots of stone, lots of iron bars, a uh, lot of people. The Jafar come in again. Clunk, 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 clunk. God bless the boots that SG1 yeah. have been saved so many times by the approach of Jafar. The early warning system. Yeah. The great doors open. Some little kind of uh, servants rush in. They look more like they're from Arabian Nights. <laughs> yep. And they kind of just sort through people out. Gara is there, of course, because he was taken. We forgot to mention that he was also taken. Young enough and looked healthy enough to be a host. Yep, he had fighting spirit. Yep. Group of system lords come in. Poffers, basically what Poffers is saying, take your pick, anything you fancy here, you're welcome to it. <laughs> we also got Tilt checking out Neil's watch and um, asking where they're from. Jackson drawing the Earth symbol in the sand. You'd think Tilt would recognise that, but instead he just puts his staff weapon for it to rub it out. Well, given what we learn later through Braytac, I've got the feeling that Tilt did know what that was. Yeah, that might have helped him uh, make his decision later. Maybe it was only myth, you know, the myths like Kev. Yeah. Something passed down through legend, you know. He may have never seen a gate with that symbol on. Yeah, true. Although he might have done when he went went to Earth. Yeah. When I, I thought he was the one that actually dialed the gate back out, but I think it was another one. <laughs> they, they all look the same in that armor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Daniel actually, uh, when the people are being chosen, he actually speaks up. Take me, take me. Something of the host must remain. And one of the one of the gold looks down, nothing, you know. And he's not interested in Daniel, you know, he's a bit too desperate. Mm-hmm. Don't want to come over as desperate. No. And take your glasses off. Put your glasses in your pocket. Scarra is chosen, unfortunately. Apophis just looks down, job well done. Kill them. Mm. Again, what a waste. Yeah. It's also here too when um they're trying to figure out who Apophis is. Daniel's saying that the god of night and they're all that and he says they're living pretty much as gods from the ancient Egyptians, but what come first? was the Egyptology and they come to Earth and seen it and gone, well, we'll just hijack that because that's what he says. I always thought they come to Earth first and said, where the gods and the Egypts? The movie would indicate that Ra brought the gods with him. Yeah. As we looked at that tribe that the boy who became Ra came from. I am more inclined, the TV series, to believe that the Gwold took the religion that was already there. Used it their own way. Yeah. Yeah. We humans do like to make a lot of these things up. We are good storytellers. <laughs> yep. We also get the title drop here, Children of the Gods. Yeah. And I love how Apophis has been walking around his castle all this time, and now all of a sudden he's got his queen, he's getting carried around in his little carriage. <laughs> <laughs> Tilt's got to make a decision. The Jaffa are all lined up to execute these prisoners. Jack, please, with him. We can save these people. Help me. Tilk just looks at him, then shoots down one of his guys, throws the staff weapon to Jack. What does he say? Uh, many have made this claim to be able to do this. You're the first one I believed. Yep, they can do it. And we see how bad the Jeff are reacting to anything. Yeah. Some of them are still shooting the unarmed people while they are being shot at. <laughs> I can, I can un- believe. Yeah, I can understand the hesitation when the first one shot, like, what's Tilk doing? What's going yeah. on? Was he up to something? Yeah. Was Bob doing something on the side? Yeah. But yeah, then as soon as 
our people start getting staff weapons and firing back, they're shooting unarmed people running away. Yeah. <laughs> and getting taken down themselves. It just, yeah, it doesn't. It's the old stormtrooper thing. Another unfortunate example over how powerful the staff weapon can be at times. Ah, uh, that is a uh, note here. <laughs> yes. One shot is used to blow a hole in the wall, and other times people have been shot with a staff weapon and just got burnt. Yeah, sometimes they're thrown backwards, but they should really be cut and plain. <laughs> yeah. Even in SG-1, when they shown they were developing armour and ceramics to combat the staff weapon. Well, by then it was to stop the burning of it, the plasma plasma shot, not the not the force of impact. Like, you're still getting cracked ribs of that thing hitting you. It was Isla, wasn't it, that tested it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they caught on fire. <laughs> right, so they're making a dash for it. Everybody's leaving through the hole in the wall. Uh, the only person left is Tilk, just looking round at the wreckage of his former companions, men that he'd led into battle. Yep. Jack looked through the hole in the wall. Are you coming? Yeah. Tilk hasn't even realised that that option was open to him. He thinks he's got a death sentence coming. Yeah. He probably would stay there and accept his execution. Mm. I'd die free. Yeah. They're doing a nice long walk back to the gate. Tilk knows the English word for Stargate. <laughs> That's one of the other things. It's happened a couple of times here where Tilk will say something in gold and then immediately say the English word afterwards. Yeah. Uh, why? Yeah. An interesting little tidbit for this was that Brad actually uh, got in touch with Christopher and had him redo all the dialogue for that scene. I wonder if that was the case. Yeah. Didn't change the actual script. Yeah. Just did it in the voice we are familiar with. Yeah, because that's one thing. That early voice, he sort of hasn't got, at times, that deep... No. I suppose, come later as well, because he's not as buff back then as he is now. Brad said it was more of an impression of Yul Brynner. Yep. Hear it side by side, because I made a point of actually listening to both versions, and it is incredibly different. Yeah. Chris George has got a wonderfully melodic, deep bass voice. Mm, yep. Surprisingly, he had a lot of lines in Children of the Gods, really, compared to the first season of SG-1. I reckon he know he talks more in this than he does in the first five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> You've used up your allotment of lines for the entire season in this one episode. Yep. We get the explanation that he's Jafar carrying the junior inside him. I don't know why they have to poke their head out every time. Is You're talking tilt? about me. <laughs> yeah, is, is that tilt pushing him in out, or is it them just coming out and doing a little rah, a little alien rah, and going back inside? <laughs> Especially when they're supposed to be detected, like isn't coming outside endangering them? Yeah, you would have thought so. You would have thought grafted itself to the host body and started taking nutrients and whatnot and acting as a, a filter and all sorts of things. And it wouldn't be that easy to release without... Well, exactly. Just, you know, as we've seen, you could just put your hand in, take one out, put it in somebody else, job done. Yeah. It's like their presence is the thing that's doing and not actually them attached physically to the body, but anyway. Yeah, anyway, we're criticising yeah. again. I know, yes, I know. <laughs> um, we get a lot of our stock footage shots from later on in the series as well. Before we get to the actual uh, battle, they did add a new CGI element, cargo ship, instead of gliders. Oh, really? As well as gliders. Okay. Two gliders and a cargo ship. Yeah, because that was another note. What the hell is this ship? Death gliders are no good for transporting people around. <laughs> if you're going to travel anywhere on a planet, you've got to be in a cargo ship. It looks a lot bigger than what a glider is, but it also could explain that, okay, the rings maybe work like the Rafe darts, where they beam you up and you have to beam back down. Yeah. That's if they put a cargo ship in there, that makes a lot more sense. It does, yeah. Yeah. The ring effects, I love the ring effects, a lot faster than the movie. Meanwhile, at the gate, 
SG-2 have uh, laid some defences, laid some mines on one of the ridges. Unfortunately, Apophis does get away with Share. Meanwhile, back on Earth, we've got Samuels saying, come on, let's, let's lock it out. Let's lock yes. it out. Every other scene is Samuels. Time's up. Time's yeah. up. <laughs> you know, forget this. The dead. We've got three hours. We've got two hours. We've got one hour. Let's go. Lock it up. <laughs> got no faith in anybody. Samuels hasn't. Which makes me wonder. I'm pretty sure they say when the time's out, the GDAs automatically lock out and you can't dial back. And it's brought up in one of the scenes we cut back to where Hammond asks what happens afterwards and... He says, can they just radio through on Samuel's nut? They might be captured or under torture or whatever else. But if, if Jack's sitting there doing his fun-loving best at trying to convince them to open the iris, I'm pretty sure they would. You would assume so, wouldn't you? Yeah. I say we get the air-to-ground battle between the, the gliders and mainly Jack and Tilk. They actually show Tilk winging one of the gliders. Yep. Shows the proficiency of the staff weapon, given the right person using it. Yep. And then it gets taken down by a surface air missile. Oh, not a missile, a rocket launcher. Oh, yeah. Yep. Handy. If you, if you go, go into a foreign planet, take a rocket launcher. You never know when it'll come in handy. Whilst you've been there on the movie on Abydos too, he knows they've got air support. So having something like that, just in case, is sort of pulling back to that, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. We've got Daniel and Sam trying to dial the gate. Daniel's got a notepad, and he's flipping through it trying to find... Wouldn't, oh, yes. Wouldn't he have a brand new <laughs> notepad to go on this mission? Wouldn't it be the first thing? <laughs> he would have thought so. It's almost embarrassing seeing him looking for the symbols. We're fighting for our lives here. There are hundreds of Jafar coming over the ridge, heading towards the gate, and they mean business. Yeah, and then Sam says, come and hurry up, and he actually takes a moment to stop, look at her and go, I know it's here somewhere, and then keep on searching again. <laughs> <It> just... <laughs> and then it's a bit of paper that's sitting between the sheets that takes out and puts a notebook away and it opens the paper up. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a post-it, isn't it? yeah. He takes his cap off and he's got the address on a piece of paper inside the brim or something. That works. I knew I put it somewhere. Yeah. Evacuating people through the gate to Earth. Again, no frost on them. Again, this is a lot of people, so CG or effects. Jack says he's going to be the last to come through the gate. Kowalski blows the uh, claymores on the ridge, which is quite spectacular. Yep. Takes out a few of them. One of the people that have been kidnapped by Poffus. Huge guy. Huge guy. Picks up some rocks and starts throwing them at the jackal and actually hits one of them. That was hilarious. Yep. <laughs> and then had jumps up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of Jaffa that are taken down near the gate. They get pretty close. Yeah. We see the symbiote come out. Walski get uh, implanted. In your version, yes. Oh, they did not have that. All that is taken out of this. This is a standalone movie. They're not setting up. Ah, oh, okay. Yep, they're not setting up the next episode. Interesting. So back at the SGC when he's holding his neck, that'd be taken out too? Yep. Uh. Start running for I love how Jack and that retreat, and then the Jafar just race straight in the gate after him. There's very little delay. They're right on their heels. Yep. Fortunate they've got the iris. Yeah, which takes too long to close. <laughs> I would have loved to just see the front of a staff weapon come out as it closes in the middle. Just chopped off. There's a lot they could have done with it, but I suppose, you know, they were on a tight budget. Yeah. Fud, fud, fud. Sam, we're going to hear a lot more of in later episodes. Yeah, my last note here is the SG-1 photo shoot on the ramp. I'm guessing that's not there either. Four of them stand on the ramp. At the end it is, yeah. Yeah, okay. At the, at the moment, though, you know, we've, we've got everybody in the gate room, all these aliens tapping everybody on the back. Very noticeable. Nobody's congratulating Tilk, who's at the back, just looking perplexed. 
Yeah. Jack looks like he's spent the day on the beach. His hair is immaculate. General's General's saying, who's that? Yeah, what the hell's he doing here? <laughs> I know him. I've seen him before. Yeah. And then to back it straight up, he'll be joined. Is that in it? Include? That's in there, yeah. Okay. If you take yeah. my recommendation, he'll join SG-1. Yep. And that's not your decision to make. Yeah, exactly. This guy come through, he killed several people, took one of our own, and now he's back. Yep. Medics, medics uh, rush in. They're all injured, after all. Yep. And say the general, who only took this command because he was due for retirement, this was basically to wind down this facility. Yeah, he's just there to oversee its closure. Yeah. Then he could retire and spend time with his grandkids. Yep. Who would be very young at this stage, probably just newborns. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, and then we get the picture for framing with four members of the team in front of the gate. Well, that's interesting, because in the original, Hammond's talking to Jack and Kowalski. You only see the four of them. Kowalski's never seen again in the episode, but the general's addressing him. is like, okay, that's foreshadowing. He's not going to be around for long. But <laughs> <laughs> as you said, he's been wiped from existence. There was a rather sharp cut when you were looking at Kowalski kneeling at the gate. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where the scene with him and the neck would have gone. I suppose they literally went as close to the frame as they could before they got into the dialogue or any overlapping dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and at least get a picture of him coming back through the gate so we know he's back as well. Yeah. And then we get a simple In Memory of Donis Davis, 1942 to 2008. Ah, nice addition. Yep. And that was Children of the Gods, Final Cut. Enjoyable. I don't think it's aged too badly. No. There's some of the effects with the puddle at the start and that, which it's understandable. Some of the cautions have been updated. Yes, well, when there's an incoming gate. No, when they die out for Abydos, that looks like a stock footage from later on in the season, but I don't think it can be because it's not director's cut. You'll probably just have a quick look through the video in the, yeah. in the Dropbox, see how it compares. I'll probably watch it again now. <laughs> so listen to the commentary. It's a good commentary. That's something I need to do. I need to uh, I need to get onto that. So I'm pretty sure I've got the, the director's cut here somewhere anyway. Again, it's sort of, it's a pile that's made to get a lot of info in there to get the series going. I know on a lot of top tens or whatever of this first season, it's normally up around the top. I wonder if that's just more because it's an hour and a half and not a regular episode. There's more content there. I just think it's a pretty good pilot. Yeah. It works off the back of the movie. It introduces the new concepts, expands what the franchise could be. I think the final cut makes an even better job of it. It's The pacing is faster. As Brad said, that was one of the reasons he wanted it to be a lot tighter. There was a lot of padding. Even less than 10 years between the two, television had moved on. Hmm. Yep. I remember back then in 1997, in the lounge room, trying to tune the TV in. Getting a lot of snowball effects, <laughs> missing the start, having the, or pretty much coming when the Jafar are attacking the gate, trying to usher mum and dad to bed so I can watch it alone. Embar- <laughs> embarrassed to be watching sci-fi. It was the start of a good thing. It was indeed. Okay then, folks, thank you very much for joining us for Children of the Gods. Hope you enjoyed listening to Brad and myself. If everything goes according to plan, there may be one or two other episodes of not Gatecast, released over 2017. Next week, Emancipation. <laughs> Skip. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay, Brad, you want to give a quick update on your... Oh, you, my, you, my friend, have spread the seeds of success and growing 
current Transformers podcast, Transformers Collectors Club Australia. Our podcast has recently been rebranded to Australian Transformers Weekly. I've also branched out into the Minute by Minute podcast realm with uh, the Lost World Minute. You can find that at thelostworldminute.com. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram sites there. And guesting everywhere, Mad Max Minute, Jurassic Park Minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a busy, busy man. There are a lot of Minute by Minute podcasts out there. Yeah. I can't really do more than one at a time. I'm no. listening to the Star Wars Minute in the car, and I'm listening to the Fifth Element at work. So I've actually got two on the job at the moment. I started the Fifth Element as well, but I had to stop once Jurassic Park's out of the way, which it has. Went for Back to the Future to finish, and I can start that and maybe a couple others. <laughs> yeah. Okay then, folks. Brad, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, lovely, Mike. Thank you for the invite. It's good to be back. No problem at all. Who knows what will turn up in the feed next time. Definitely not next week. That's one of the beauties of no longer being controlled by a weekly podcast. I can release this anytime I want. Although, chances are it will be sooner rather than later. Okay then, folks. Take care. I've been Mike. I've been Brad. Bye-bye, everyone. Goodbye. Come try ya! You're hooked. <laughs> Back, baby, you know, yeah. I'm not. No, this is, this is beautiful. I, I, can, I can spend the night watching House if I want. I don't yeah. have to come home and think, I better spend a couple of hours editing this podcast. Mm. I can do anything I want. <laughs> <laughs>